Welcome to Return to Oswald. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by Scar and by Brandon. Um, What's up, Prags? Hey, yo, 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 yo. Don't, don't use that phrase. I looked that shit up. I was curious once just to see what the fucking meant. And <laughs> yeah. What does, it, what does it mean? Prag means prison fag. Oh, never mind. I, I, I rescind that. Yeah. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, no. Um, I do want to say shout out to uh, the folks who have left us reviews on iTunes. We appreciate that. Um, one review was from uh, Summertime 3, who gave us five stars and said it's a perfect podcast after plowing through a show recently. I love their takes, the different perspectives, all of it. Hoping it continues the future seasons. Keep it up. Uh, we got a five-star review from Jules Ramsey, who says, uh, the guys keep you laughing from week to week while watching the show. What more can you ask for? It feels like you have three friends you're watching with. I shout at my computer when I listen because, well, I can't help it. The show is too engaging. Whether it's your first watch or your third rewatch, the guys keep you connected like Adebisi's hat. <laughs> Yo, he totally did that shit to Kenny. <laughs> right? And that's when you realize he's trying to make Kenny like him. There's no bigger way. We'll talk about that in a second. And and uh, review from Big Nig who says five stars. I love the way the hosts make me laugh about this very disturbing show. Great job, guys. Um, so Brandon, what were your thoughts on this week's episode, uh, Great Men? Um. It was kind of all over the place. It was. This episode was like jumping around to a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. But um, I really, I really liked, um, I really liked the scene with, um, what's my man's name? I, I was about to say something else, but that's not his name. <laughs> with, um, what's the Muslim dude's name? God, Saeed? it's like, it's to my name. Saeed. Uh, with Saeed and the lawyer, because, uh, that was great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that the, great. The, what happened after the fact, I completely forgot that. And then when he, when, when Augustus is like, yo, I think there's something else here. Y'all fucking <laughs> is you? Um, so I, I, I really, I, I agree wholeheartedly that this episode was all over the place. I do appreciate the fact that it's obviously building toward the future. One thing that I did not appreciate at all is the fact that Alvarez knows who raped Warden Glenn's daughter. Like that was too nail on the nose for me. It, it was it was way too convenient that that guy would call him. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like I don't if think he, he call- does know. I think that was I think he was fucking with him. Well, if he's fucking no. with him, he was he's dumb enough to let everybody else know about it. Everybody else finds out. But the, the the problem is the fact that he knew about it in the first place. So someone had to know mm-hmm. because there was no other way for him to find out. He wouldn't, none of the, none of the COs or, or uh, sister Pete would have told him. So you're absolutely right in that regard that somebody did tell him what happened and he got off the phone giddy as shit. But the thing is, yeah, then he was skipping and everything. <laughs> but this motherfucker, first of all, it's such a coincidence that he just happens to be on the phone with the person who raped uh, uh, Warden Glenn's daughter, like artist. Like that is just the writing in that is just come on now. So now we have uh, Alvarez who comes over to Rebido and he's like, "I know something you don't know." Rebo's like, "You want to bet?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and the reason, and when Rebido tells him exactly what's going on, uh, that's when I realized that Jesus stays on the main line. <laughs> no, but see, I didn't take it as that. I took it as he was he was starting a rumor because he knew the rumor would get to the warden so that he could get the warden in the room and so he could get his revenge on how he treated him. So he could, like, make him feel pain because he treated him like shit. I don't think he actually knows. Because they didn't follow up on that for the rest of the episode. Very true. Very true. Um, I mean, but we've never... I've in this show as of yet, and and maybe I'm wrong in this, but we've never known Alvarez a lie. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Also, didn't know him to get treated like complete shit. Well, yeah, for an entire day. Sometimes when that happens, you get revenge on your mind. And 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 the way that it all worked out, I don't know if he meant for it to work out the way that it did, where uh, an unknown inmate named Richie. Uh, overheard the conversation and told Father Ray, who then went and told Warden Glenn, like, that's a roundabout way to for it to get back to Glenn. But then, Glenn, if that's what the case was, Glenn did exactly what Alvarez wanted him to do, which is try and bully it out of him. Um, and, and Alvarez was like, yo, like, fuck you. So <laughs> Glenn tries to send... Uh, Ray out of the room because Ray was in there with him and and Alvarez or Glenn tried to send Ray out the room because he's in there with uh Warden Glenn and Alvarez and like two COs and yeah you know was like yo you should have sent the father out of the room before you took your coat off exactly once you take your coat off he knows exactly what's about to happen so you You've applied hands before. We know what your plans are at this point in time. We're not leaving you to apply them twice. No, this is much worse than that. He tied him. He had him handcuffed to the chair. <laughs> and told then and he, told him to handcuff him to the chair while Ray is still standing there. And then he took out the nightstick. While Ray he is still the standing nightstick there. nightstick in his hand. He wasn't just about to punch him. He was about to beat him with a nightstick while he was tied to a chair. Yeah, so he did, he he did the Jerry Springer thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when they're about to fight on Jerry Springer, they do all of this stuff to prepare for the fight just so the security can get there in time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because like, what if like you just sitting there on Jerry Springer, some shit's going down, and then all of a sudden you just get up real fast and, and throw your fucking chair at somebody? That that's how it should go. The fact that you you do all of this stuff to hype yourself up for the fight. Let security know that some shit is about to go down, and that's how you always get stopped on a place like Jerry Springer. This is he did the Jerry Springer thing, like yo, d- d- hide your intentions until prying eyes are not there. Won't none of them guards gonna snitch on you? No, but here's the interesting thing: he didn't even try the other route. Like normally, that's like the escalation, right? It's like. I tried to get outside. Then I go bad cop. Like I thought he was gonna be. I thought he was gonna try to do the like, you know. I got. I overreacted last time. Like you know, you you can tell why I overreacted. And I'm sorry I took it out on you. And that was that wasn't like right thing for me to do. It's man to man. I apologize for that. But that's my daughter. I would really like to know like what you know. Yeah. He didn't even try that. And he didn't even he didn't even try to negotiate. Like okay. I want to know this information. What do you need? Well, 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 wait. When we say that, wait, I do want to say that he, 
Alvarez kind of killed that before he went through the door in this scene. You're going to tell me everything you know. About what? My daughter. Your daughter was raped and beaten. And because of that, you took it out on me. Tell me who raped her. I ain't telling you, dick. You got all the power, huh? I mean, you think that you could just shit on people? Shit on people and you get away with it? Not this time. You can go fuck yourself. I mean, like, at that point in time, you already know, okay, good cop, bad cop ain't gonna work here. I need to go straight to bad cop. There's no other, there's no other way I mean, that it's gonna work. I mean, I guess, I mean, in that, in that instance, you could say that, but like, you I need mean, to have at least some tact. Well, well, some. But you scar, are, scar, you already know what you did to him. At this point in time, I think that it's the same way that sometimes in those law movies or law TV shows you see, the lawyer immediately walks up and asks the judge, can I treat him as a hostile witness? Yeah. You already know what's about to happen. You're not going to get what you're looking for. I may as well just choke you out with a nightstick <laughs> and then try again later. But I do want to say, Leo is losing so much ground to me, like every single week. Like, yo, like this ain't the way to get the information you're looking for. Uh, so then he goes to the operator, I guess, of the prison and tries to find the taping of the, the, the recording of the conversation. But because they randomly taped the prisoner's phone lines, it didn't pick it up. So he's got nothing. So then Peter walks up to Leo and he's still calling him by his first name. Leo, which gets on my nerves. Um, yeah, but hold on. That didn't make any sense to me because they may randomly tape the phone calls, but they have a log of every fucking call that comes into the prison. Even yes. in 1998, they had a log of who called in the prison. So that was very, like, look at the number. Who the fuck called him? <laughs> Could have been done, yes. He's not wrong. But that's why TV I think it was. Purposes. That's why I thought that Alvarez was fucking with him. That's what I, th I thought it was all a, a ploy to fuck with Leo to get back at him for how he treated him. Yeah. So um, Peter Shabetta offers to get the information about who raped Artith out of Alvarez. Uh, basically, he's he's gonna apply pressure. Um, Glenn declines that offer because a he doesn't want to owe Shabetta any more favors, good and job, b, Glenn. huh? I said good job for the warden. And b, because he doesn't feel like that's right. But weren't you the one who just was about to beat Alvarez's ass like one scene prior? He caught himself. Yeah, but you don't want inmates to beat him up to get the information that you did. He catch get. himself, or did the father Ray caught him? Ray both. caught him. It's, Ray it's, caught it's, him. It's a little both. No, nah, I think that was one hundred percent Ray. Like Ray's that a was Ray is a hero. He could have tossed Ray's little ass out the way and beat the shit out of him. If he wanted and Ray, to. Ray did exactly what I, I, I mean. I didn't think that he would do it because of what was done to him but still he was a stand-up dude in that moment and even though like he got fucked up because alvarez wouldn't help him he stood up for alvarez in that moment and that's that's worth applauding yeah 
very much worth applauding. But yeah, he I, also I, could have thrown his little ass out the way. He could have. <laughs> I think. I think very much so. Um, I just, I, I, I just the, the warden, like he's he's losing, he's losing bad, he's losing bad to McManus at this point. But just at at the very least. At the very least, in that moment when he gets offered by Shabetta, he says, "Yeah, I give him credit." Nah, nah dog, I've, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going that way. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and I'm putting myself at risk. It's I'm better not than the last time. The last time he gave him the whole kitchen, he kicked out yeah. of BC out the kitchen, gave him the kitchen. Yeah. So yeah, I give him credit. Take over the kitchen from the Mullies. Mullianis. But um, yeah, no. Uh, you know, so Agamemnon, Agamemnon Boosmalis, aka the Mole, is currently digging a hole in him and uh, Rebido's cell. Uh, he 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 said it, you know, in the in the earlier episode, he meant it, so he gonna do it. Uh, he was convicted on March tenth, nineteen ninety eight, for grand theft grand theft larceny. Uh, he got sentenced for to ten years, but he's up for parole in four. Uh, Rebido wakes up and tells him that digging a hole out of odds is impossible, which Rebido said to him before. Uh, the mole basically says back, watch me. My parole hearing's in four years, and I don't expect to have to dig for all four. I will if I have to. And then Rebido tells him the CO is coming. The mole says thank you and gets back in bed. But my question was, did the mole have a flashlight? Because it seemed like exactly. the CO's light was on him the entire time he was getting back in bed. I think the he CO. had a flashlight of some sort because I mean, well, first of all, they have all kinds of shit um, because, like, you know, Adebisi and his little guitar thing. Um, like, why do they have these things? The world will never know. But um, the, but yeah, he definitely had a flashlight because I was like, "Yo, um, what is that light? Like, does he have a light? I didn't actually see the light, but I'm just guessing he had one at some point because, yeah, it seemed like the light was on him that whole time." Brandon? Oh, no, I don't got nothing. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't make any sense to me because even after he got back in bed, they showed the CO flashing that light in his face. Uh, the next thing that happens is that Augustus is on the bottom bunk in the pod with him and Beecher. Um, and Beecher keeps farting. Uh, I've seen prison mattresses. They're thin as fuck, which means it's almost like Augustus being farted on directly. Uh, so, of course, Augustus starts complaining and whining about that. And Beecher says he didn't fart. Uh, Augustus farted and blamed, and, and that Augustus was the one who farted and blamed Beecher. I couldn't be scared of somebody who I'm having a full on discussion about whoever smelt it, dealt it with. Sure. That was good. We need some comedy relief in this goddamn fucking show. Oh, you're going, you've definitely going to need that uh, in, a, in the very near future. I appreciated that greatly. Oh, yeah. then Beecher farts again, just so then we know Beecher actually farted. So then... Um, and it sounded like it smelled bad. Sounded like, a, it, you know, it's racist, but for the longest time, and this is this is me talking, this is, this is Derek, for the longest time, I was under the impression, growing up where I grew up, in an area that didn't have a lot of white folks in it, I was bound and, and sworn to the belief that white folks' farts smelled worse than black folks' farts. Yep, we were racist. under the, huh? Yeah, that's racist. You you defined that correct. 
Yeah. But <laughs> I know I'm not the only person who ever was told that. Oh, that's not like a white boy fart. Like, wait, what? And in hindsight, it's like, how do we get there? But at the same time, folks really did say that in the streets. Like, white boy farts smell worse than black folk farts. And I don't know. It was something that when I saw this this scene, I just laughed because after being around uh, a pregnant woman, white folks, you were free and clear to move about the country. Um, I've, 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 I've smelled farts that have shut down entire stores before. Uh, and, and my wife is uh yeah she ain't white so <laughs> you go you better hope she don't hear this why she knows this nigga it is literally a moving joke amongst the family at the time she shut down an entire out an entire aisle in best buy wow this will all be redacted later on <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, Whittlesy is back in M City, or she's about to start back in M City, and she wants McManus to take her out to dinner to celebrate, which is like uh, out of out of nowhere, I guess, kind of. It's not out of nowhere. That nigga saved her life. <laughs> like that's that's the least she can do. Uh, yes, let's go to dinner. You saved my fucking life. But but I mean, it's it's out of nowhere because he's he's got a girl. He's well, got a yeah, date. Which means she's not reading the room, which means it's literally out of nowhere, which means she's overthinking this and he's moved on. Or he, like, their whole relationship is just wild. McManus said that he's trying to do things differently. Remember he said that episode one or whatever, mm -hmm. episode two, and he said, I'm trying to do things differently. So, you know, you notice this time, right? He didn't go on and on. He didn't overstep his welcome. He said, I got a date. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're doing well. And left it at that. He's starting to learn. I feel like he took a lot of pleasure out of saying I got a date and just making her, you know, stand there because he's always the one who's been pursuing. So to be that person, be able to say, I got a man. It's just like wonderful to him. Um, so then after that, we got a poem from Poet. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks. Life frustrated me the other day. Pushed all my wrong buttons. <laughs> so I bit its ear off. Pushed it up against the ropes, told it stop. Stop fucking headbutting me when the ref ain't looking. I threw my, threw my hands around its neck, told it stop. Stop fucking yelling at me before I start left hooking. Threw my shake to its throat, told it stop fucking playing me before I start juking. Cause I got too many rope burns around my neck. Too many cotton cuts in my fingernails. I spent thousands of years, thousands of years. Most people shit I ain't even do. Most people shit I ain't even know is wrong. Most people shit. You know what I'm saying? So his poem gets obscured by Whittlesey coming back into the pod, coming back into Emerald City. And they act like they ain't never seen her before. Exactly. And she's looking around, obviously, because the last time she was in there, she was a hostage and she was afraid of being uh, sexually assaulted. 
Um, but they're whistling at her like they ain't never seen. But you got to think that there are some new people in there who weren't in there before. They got like 10 gangs now. Um, so that may be the situation. But uh, Poet's Poem, I, was this after Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear? Like, <laughs> this whole thing was wildly specific. Like, no, no, it was. I, I mean, when you listen to the words, he's talking about like his the, the plight of being black, yes. being in a fight that you, you know, like that. But the, that part about biting the ear is like, come on, dog. Yeah, like when did they fight? I'm not even joking. Like, when did the ear bite happen? Was that that was in '96, or it was in '97? They had rematches. I remember that they that they uh, had a had Tyson versus Holyfield too. Um, so the ear bite happened in '97 mm-hmm. during Tyson and Holyfield three. Oh, that's it. This says it was two. Oh, okay, two, two. But um, okay. So that's why he had all that in there. I was just curious. Kushane uh, seems to be getting along better with Kenny. Somebody probably told him, you know, you don't want to fuck with uh somebody who could beat you up. But also, Kenny's reading has been getting a lot better, and I'm so fucking happy to see that. Like it, it was really dope to see him and Kushane having a conversation. And Kushane's like. You see the kind of money Tiger's getting. Go ahead and look at this article. Uh, what does this say? And he's, sound, he's not just sounding out words. Like, he's reading rather big words considering that he couldn't even say the right. last he's episode. Working. Yeah, he's been working on it. Right? And, and that's dope. Happy. So shout out to him and McManus because they've been working on it together. Um, and... The prisoners weren't the assholes I thought they were going to be. No, even, I don't think the even prisoners the racist knew. people. I don't think the prisoners knew. They knew because he was reading it out loud, and the one white dude was like, "That nigga can read." Yeah, that the the one the same one that 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 started this whole shit in the first place. When yeah, he, he gonna get rolled him? up. He that's yeah, the that's the same one? redhead white boy. He gonna get uh. rolled up. If he don't get rolled up, I got a problem with that because he he keep talking. But yeah, he was he seemed he seemed very happy. And then he talked to McManus, and we'll get to that. But he was happy about it. And then and then McManus fucked there. everything up. Let's be honest. Like, like, let's just be yep. honest. Here's how McManus fucked everything up. It was cool for them to do the reading sessions late at night or early in the morning where nobody could see it. But McManus going into Adabisi's cell in broad daylight with Adabisi looking right at you. Yeah, yeah, that nah. was that was that was not the play. Yeah, no, nah. Adabisi ain't learning shit. I don't understand what Adabisi's problem is. I'm very confused. I think we, I think he said it in. I think uh, Rashani said it earlier. Um, I think his whole thing is to make Kenny like him, which is when he did the 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 skull cap and pulled it over to the side of his head. He was trying to, and not just that, but the conversation that McManus had with Adabisi, where he was like, um, you need to start coming to school too, Adabisi. And, and he was like, mm, I'll pass. But I feel like Adabisi knew Kenny was coming to school. I'm sure they had that conversation. Like he wasn't working in the kitchen anymore. So right. he never asked, like, yo, I'm in the kitchen. Where the fuck you been the past it's, two I months? Think I think it's the, 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 the Chris Rock joke. 
where he's talking about how people um, react better to you coming home from prison than coming home from college, um, where it's like, you know, like, I got my master's degree. Oh, you my motherfucking master now? Like, you know what I mean? That type of shit. Like, it's that, like, you, you, are you trying to get educated? You think you better than me? And yeah, I think been going that, to school for two months. Yeah, but there was, but honestly, from Adebisi's perspective, he probably never saw any fruits of that mm-hmm. until got handed a book and then when Adebisi went to talk to him and he seemed enraptured by the book and and not paying attention to him okay. which had never happened before right I think that's what did it the 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 he seemed more interested in the book than what Adebisi was saying yeah. and like when, when Adebisi was talking about yeah let's go get high and he was just like man I ain't even worried about that right now I'm reading this book Oh uh, no, nah, you ain't you ain't about to be in my cell acting like you better than me. I think that that's I think that what just what happened was literally the Adabisi version of you think you better than me. Mm-hmm. Cause you can read and shit. So nah. Adabisi was like, um, he told Kenny straight up, McManus is not allowed in our pod anymore. And Kenny was like, How the fuck am I gonna stop him? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a valid point. How the fuck am I gonna stop yeah. the fucking Adam BC couldn't stop him if he wanted to? <laughs> the administrator of the fucking block. <laughs> <laughs> How am I gonna stop him from coming in? Um also I, I do want to say two things. One, it's dope that uh McManus read uh Booker T. Washington's autobiography. I think that's wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I think it's dope that uh, when McManus asked uh, Kenny about it, Kenny was like, oh, you mean Booker T and the MGs? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, I know Booker T and the MGs. Uh, and, like, what do you know about Booker T and the fucking MGs? Right. Years old, and I was like, yo, like, I am just happy that he even said it because this song goes forever. What's a, what, what year did uh, San Andreas come out? <laughs> Because they had, had, had Green Onions on the side, uh, soundtrack, I think. Green Onions <laughs> is a forever bop. Like, that is, you can hear Green Onions on uh, the Sandlot. You can hear it anywhere, but I never expected to hear a reference in fucking Oz. So, right. shout out to Booker T and the Green Onions for their come up. Um, After that, let me see. Shit. After that... I don't even know what this nigga's name is. I just call him Say Man Part Two. They got a lot of random niggas in prison who get speaking lines. Yes. But he's talking with Adabisi and he's upset that Glenn handed the kitchen order to Betta. Um, And Adabisi figured it's because Glenn wants the Italians and the brothers to fight one another. Which, oh, okay, Adabisi. That's that's a conspiracy theory stretch. Um he comes back to his cell though. Adabisi comes back to their pod and he finds out, he's like, yo, it's time for a little bit of, what do you say, tit action? Titillation? Something like that. Titty time? <laughs> he said something and Kenny was like, no, nah, I'm cool. I don't want to do that. And Adabisi is about to find out why when a shakedown happens. Um, Kenny is reading his book um, and Adabisi takes the book and puts his tits into the book and then hands it back to Kenny. Yeah, because uh, Adebisi had it in his mouth. And I'm like, why didn't you just put it back in your mouth, dog? Because, because they weren't searching you. That's what I was going to say. The CEOs ain't searching shit but the room. 
because they didn't look at that book. They didn't even think about it. Like, come on now. Y'all are all, every CO in this show that I have seen is honestly at least a little bit racist. So y'all see a nigga with a book and y'all don't think nothing of it? <laughs> the rule should be if any nigga other than Saeed has a book in their hand, <laughs> you need to hem that book up immediately. And depending on the book, you might want to hem Saeed as up too. Right. But they didn't. Uh, they just let it pass. And um, basically, Adabisi after that says that the book is fucking magical. <laughs> <laughs> and that is his book now. Um, and Kenny is still is talking to Adabisi. Um, Adabisi says he's going to keep the book and immediately starts tearing the book up. Um, and Kenny's like, the fuck are you doing? And Adabisi's like, it's my book. Kenny says, fuck you to Adabisi and gets him the fuck up like this. Give it to me. I tell you what. Now it's my book. My book is for my tits. What the fuck are you doing? You ugly bastard. Fuck you, man. Oh, shit. Forgetting a little brother. Huh? But minus this book shit going to class, you think you can disrespect me, eh? Hmm? Don't forget who your friends are, Kenny. If you're not my friend, then you're my enemy. Understand? Yeah. Understand? Yes, I don't fucking understand. The He's look on, on my list. The, the, wait. <laughs> the look on Adabisi's face when he went from, if you're not my friend, then you're my enemy, is the same look Adabisi had on his face the first time Beecher came into his cell. And he was telling Beecher pretty much, I'm not going to fuck you tonight, but I'm going to fuck you soon. He's on my list of irredeemable people in us. Well, if Adabisi's just getting on your list of irredeemable people in Oz, I don't know what to tell you. Adabisi and Schillinger. I don't know what to tell you, fam. Like Adabisi and Schillinger were the two who started this show off. They're the only two people on my list currently. Every everybody else has a chance to be redeemed. So the far. snake. I mean, but but wait, Who's the, wait snake? the snake. Who the hell is the snake? Brian O'Reilly. But wait, wait. Oh, O'Reilly? Yeah, O'Reilly can be redeemed in my book. Wait, wait, wait. Here's oh, no. my here's my question about just this wait. though. Here's my question. Scar, stop. I'm just saying just wait. Scar. I don't see anything else. So here's the thing about Adabisi doing this. He ain't wrong. Kenny cussed him. Kenny cussed him out. He ripped his fucking book. He didn't after, just cuss him for no reason. He had already said, no, this this my book now. Like he, he didn't just cuss he, him for no reason. He took, took his book. He took then, ownership of the book first. You yeah, know he, yeah, he he roasted him for the book and then he tore the book up. But I mean, Kenny, you're like 17. You you've seen what Adabisi could do. Like you're kind of losing yourself a bit. And yeah. I 
You got, you know, he's he's a teenager. You know, he's like, yo. So this is me. like, this is like the first time you told your dad, you know what? Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> your dad was like, let me remind you of who I am. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, then you got that baby boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in this situation, Kenny was right, but he just couldn't do nothing about it. He couldn't do nothing about it, and I mean, he is right. But I'm, I'm just like, yo, I would have never. You, you got to know yeah. how to say fuck you under your breath, or you yeah, walk yeah, out, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny was very much fuck you, dad. Like <laughs> that was that was one hundred percent the intent. And but, so. Kenny, after getting hemmed up by Adebisi, Adebisi's like, I'm going to get high. Kenny's like, me too. Uh, gets high enough that he misses school, I guess, for like two weeks. So McManus comes and finds Kenny, and he's like, yo, uh, why the fuck haven't you been at school? Basically, because uh, McManus don't like that shit. All right. No, come on. Come on. Oh, shit. Now, why did you stop going to class? You were doing so well. What happened? Nothing. Somebody pressuring you? Yeah. You. You tell me what's going on, Kenny! Is that a beast of giving you shit about going to school? Get the fuck out of here. I'm having a conversation. I'm gonna transfer the fucker back to Jim Pop House. Now, hold on. Don't do that. Then he'll think I asked you to, and then that'll be my ass. Then I'm gonna move you to another pod. No, just don't. Look, you're gonna go back to school, Kenny. You're going back to school, or I'll have you mopping that kitchen 24 hours a day. I'm gonna have you mopping this whole fucking prison. Do you hear me? What's it gonna be, Kenny? What's it gonna be? Go back to class. Okay. Let's go, you're late. I understand where McManus is coming from in this uh, segment too. Yes, definitely. This this scene, this scene, it, right? This scene comes off as the white principal at Booker T. Washington High School. Like no, this, this is, scene, <laughs> this scene comes off as another father. Yeah, that's what it came off to me. It came off as another father. So Adam Beesey on one side is like a father figure, and then McManus on the other side is like a father figure, and they're both battling for their son's attention. Because McManus is basically like. Hey man, listen. Obviously, this is what's best for you. Like, and you were liking it. You just came and told me that you really enjoy going to school and learning to read. But hey man, it's not like you could just be in prison and do nothing. So, like, if you make that decision that you know you don't want to fuck with school anymore, then you're gonna be right back on that mop. I'm not like you're gonna have to do something. Like everybody's gotta do something in prison. You go to school or you got a job to do. That's just like one or the other. It, it just, like I don't want that mop. <laughs> it, it it just came off as the the white principal at Booker T Washington High School to me. Like that's 
That's all I was thinking about. Because, you know, Booker T. Washington High School is not the kind of school that McManus would be the principal of. But, <laughs> but that's 100% how it came off to me. Like, he, want, he wants to help this child so much that he is putting, he is, he is stretching this way farther than he should. I think he sees potential in Kenny, probably. And I think Kenny proved that potential by how quickly he's been picking up reading. And so it's like one of them things like where you see so you see a kid that's like showing you flashes but just needs like that steering and guidance. Like it happens in sports with coaching, it happens in school, it's all it's like you see that you see that spark there, but you gotta pull it out. Yeah. And he was trying to pull it out. And then and, and, then, and Kenny was right, because Kenny was like, Hey man, if you send Adabisi out here, it's gonna look like it was me. Mm-hmm. So like you can't you can't do that shit. So, and and McMahon's just like, yeah, that, you know, he's probably like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that makes sense. But like at the end of the day, dog, you either can go to class and learn, or you can get back on that mop, or you can find a way. Which is can... which is the equivalent of look, dog. When it's all said and done, you said you was gonna go to school. You didn't go to school, mm-hmm. so you can either go to work or you can get the fuck out of my house. You can yeah. go to work or you can go to school. Mm-hmm. But you ain't gonna do nothing. Dog. You ain't wor- yeah, worried about catching a dog. You gotta worry about the dog kicking your ass. In your ass. <laughs> and you basically you're gonna have to find a way to please Adabisi while going to school. So like mm-hmm. if you gotta hang out with him at the school and be his boy at the school, then that's fine. You just treat school like like your job, and then you be Adabisi's friend after school. But you're gonna have to do something, bro. You can't just sit here and get high and do nothing. But and then that also goes into the um, the narrator's conversation about like getting getting your um, getting education while you're in prison mm-hmm. severely limits. I mean, lessens the 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 chance that you're going to go back there when you finally get free of that place. And McManus is aware of that. So again, I do want to give kudos and and credit to McManus for pushing for this change in Kenny. Um, the, the the thing about it is, is that Kenny doesn't want to be that change because now he's back in there and Kushane, who earlier in the episode was having a great conversation with Kenny about Tiger Woods and watching him read this article and everything and gave him a, a sports magazine and Kenny was so proud of himself. He comes back in two weeks later and he's back to being sullen Kenny. Like Kushane is like, I got this book on W.E.B. Du Bois, du Bois, which to his credit, he's like, yo, Bunch of black folks in here. Let me get some black books. W.B. Du Bois, Happy Black History Month. Um, and he's like, I know Kenny can read, so let me ask Kenny to read. And, and Kenny seems like he doesn't want to read anymore. Like he he's back to being like, I'm I'm just here so I don't get fined. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I think he's trying to figure out how he can play this. Like, I think he wants to continue to learn how to read, but he's I think like, he does too. He's like, I'm not trying to get my ass beat every night either. So like how do I like how do I balance this shit? Exactly. But I don't I still don't understand Adabisi's like so the so the nigga reads now. It's not like he said, fuck you, Adabisi. I'm not being your boy anymore. He was like, yo, I'm just reading my book right now. Like I'm just reading my book. Like like you were playing your ukulele or whatever the fuck he was playing, his string instrument. I'm reading my book. And then when we gotta go do you know, gangster shit. We'll go do our gangster shit. <laughs> so, the next thing that happens is that uh, the others, Beecher, Rebido, uh, Boost, the Mole, and Augustus, 
are talking about who's the sexiest woman in Oz. Um, and they mentioned Dr. Nathan and they mentioned uh, Will Wellesley or Wilsley, Whittlesey, Whittlesey. Um, they mentioned Sister Peter Marie. Told you what I tell you, dope old bird. I she <laughs> is. And so, um, Beecher mentioned that Sister Pete was married before she became a nun. And Reba was like, there's no fucking way. Um, and then Reba was like, well, yeah, she was. Or uh, the mole was like, there's no fucking way. And uh, Reba was like, no, her husband, she was married, but her husband was murdered. He was run over by a truck. And that's why she works at odds. And I need somebody to shank Jesus because that nigga stays snitching. Um. Uh, inmate named William Giles has been asking for Sister Pete. Um, and when she finally goes to see him, he gets all agitated. Yeah, he's um, gone. And Beecher lets Sister Pete know that they voted her the sexiest woman in prison. And she's like, for real? Me? Yeah, I, I see it. <laughs> I that baby pappy. She definitely had turned my swag on in her head at that point. <laughs> who, was that, who was that dude acting crazy? Who was William dude? Giles, I guess. They he was convicted on two six fifty eight a second degree murder. He got life, but he's up for all in sixty years. And it seems like the way that he murdered whoever it was he killed was murdered quite the same way that Rebado said the sister Pete's husband was killed. So I'm I'm thinking just going down the line that there's gonna be a, a larger connection because they don't just have people pop up with you know their name and the way that they died and whatever just randomly in the midst of scenes like if they have them pop up in the middle of a scene where they're talking about sister pete he's going to be connected to sister pete somehow some way um sister pete wants to get giles out of solitary so then she could counsel him but glenn said no because he's a murderer yeah, um he he, he murdered somebody over toothpaste <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if your breast stank, it stank. He's murdering a nigga over toothpaste. And that's just real. Like, yo, that, that, over toothpaste. If it stank, it stank. Ain't nothing that can save your breath if it stank. Let me brush. Why are you holding out on me? Basically. But um, Saeed's book arrived. Uh, and even being accosted by an unnecessarily aggressive mailman uh, can't squelch his, his excitement. Once he realized what it was, he was just like, I'm praying, dog. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, like, I'll stop just... praying for this. And then he was like, yeah, I got this package for you. Oh, is that what I think it is? Nigga. <laughs> Why didn't you say so before? He really, he really said it the same way Samuel L. Jackson says it in, uh, in uh, Pulp Fiction. Why didn't you tell me? Well, shit, nigga. Why didn't you say that sooner? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after he gets his book, he uh, turns to the rest of his uh, brothers and he says, this shows you that uh, nothing can stop the truth. Um, and then he's in the prison library studying law when Rebido comes in. And he and Rebido, I really do enjoy their conversations. Rebido gives that nigga to work. Always, always. And and I think, honestly, I think Saeed appreciates and respects 
Rebido's opinion because the nigga ain't been wrong yet. <laughs> Not at all. So this conversation happens. The annotated code? You giving up God's law? God's laws are clear to me. Those are man that are not. I've been studying legal books for the last eight months. Trying to see if God's laws and those of the white man have anything in common. What have you discovered? That these are nothing but words on a page. The annotated code exists solely to be circumvented. Without law, we have anarchy. You should read your morning paper, old man. We have anarchy anyway. I would have thought after the riot, you would have learned. You can't overthrow the system. Oh, I learned. And I have no interest in seeing more men die. No. I intend to use the tools that were used against me. I intend to make the law devour itself. Judge Rich and as they're talking about the law devouring itself, then we find out the judge who sentenced Augustus to life in prison uh, has been taking bribes. And that just happens to be said while Augustus watched TV. Um, so Augustus wants to get his case reopened. That's fine and dandy, but why this nigga decided to have Saeed be his lawyer is beyond me. He don't know no better. Yes, he does. I'm gonna tell you something. Saeed makes me wonder why the fuck has he not been in more stuff? Like that, right? Dude, and, and, and he makes me want to watch Chicago Fire. Like, and I don't even want to watch that shit. But he makes me want to watch Chicago Fire because I know he's a he's he's in he's in Chicago Fire. But he makes me want to watch Chicago Fire because I'm like, why is he not in more stuff? Why is why why are we limiting him? Like the only other thing that I know of that he was in was he was in uh, Cadillac Records. He was Howlin' Wolf, but um. But yeah, I'm like, yo, this dude needs more screen time in, in anything. You like him much better than me. I never, I didn't think he was a particularly good actor. Really? I just, I just think he's funny at playing. He overacts. He's so uh, like, he's like, I, want, I don't know. He's like a caricature of like that person to me more than that person. I want that's what I want to see. I want to see overacting. Like, I mean, we talked about how much we love Leon. Like, let's be honest about yeah, but he's it. the opposite. He's under, he underacts everything. <laughs> he's, he has no emotion. But I like this scene because it leads to um, him being like his faux lawyer or whatever. But the best part about that is this dude is just saying shit. Yes, like he's, just, he's just saying. He, shit. Yes, like, and that's what I was about to say. Like, 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 Saeed. The thing I picked up from watching this scene is that Saeed has marinated his intelligence in so much hubris that he just believes that he's right, and the nigga don't know shit. Return to Oswald will return after this brief break. Hey, y'all. This is Derek. We want to thank y'all so, so much for taking time out to listen to this show. What we'd like for you to do right now, wherever you're at, is screenshot your phone, iPad, or whatever you're listening to the show on, 
and send it to us on Twitter at return to Oswald. We'll retweet it to everybody and show that you're a part of the family. Also, if you'll be so kind as to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast at and subscribe and follow, we'll greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much and back to the show. Yes. And then, oh, when he, yes. then when he made a promise, like, dog, don't make promises. Like, mm-hmm. d- come on, man. Like, you don't make promises, especially one that you have, you've already been pushed out of this. Like, you've been pushed out of this. You know, like, we'll we'll find out why. But, like, you got, you got read again. You got read again by somebody else. And then after you got read, you go, I promise you. You're going to be free. No, the fuck you not, don't Yeah, because everybody he talked to, starting with Warden Glenn, told him straight out, I'm going free. Yeah. Now, let me get this straight. Judge Kibler did not take a bribe in Hill's case. That is correct. And he didn't ask for a bribe either. That is also correct. Then what exactly are we talking about? The judge was lenient with those who did give bribes. So he may have been harsher with those who did not. That's reasonable. All we ask is for the opportunity to explore the merits of the case. What opportunities are we talking about? And for how long? Look, we're going to need more time for visitations. I'm going to need to talk to the lawyer who originally represented Augustus. And anybody that offered bribes, their lawyers, the prosecution of Judge Kibler's trial, etc. You've stayed pretty quiet through all this. Kareem said he's doing the talking. I'd be an idiot not to keep my fucking mouth shut. So, then Kareem, I mean, yeah, he, he said to, you know, just keep your mouth shut. But then after that, Augustus goes to talk with his old lawyer. <sighs> that doesn't go well. So then Kareem gets on the phone with the assistant district attorney and convinces her to come in and talk to uh both of them and yeah i i yeah let's go i'm electing let's go straight line you know how we do this when you were gathering evidence to prosecute judge kipper did you ever hear Augustus Hill's name mentioned? No. In reference to the three murder convictions that Kibler was lenient with, did you perceive any sort of pattern? No. So nothing about these three men was consistent. They shared the same style of murder, same lawyer, same skin tone. Sorry, you're not going to be able to turn this into something racial. That is not my intention. Bullshit. The only two elements that are similar in these three murders is they were men and they were guilty. Oh, so you're saying the bribes were random? Yes. And would you testify to that in court? I never said that I would testify in court, and if you try to compel me, I'll take you to court. Now, why would you do that? You're an assistant district attorney. Sworn to seeing justice done. How doesn't your definition of justice extend to my client? Your client? Please. The only place that you are a lawyer is in your own head. I see what you're doing. Strutting around, thumbing your nose at the system. Thumbing your nose at everything that I believe in. It's not him that I won't help, it's you. You could win this case, but let me give you some free legal advice. Get yourself a lawyer. 
A real fucking lawyer. You know that woman? Why do you ask? You two seem awful familiar. That's not the bitch that prosecuted you, is she? Marilyn and I, before I found the law. to be married. Nigga. This, this nigga was drinking from the forbidden fountain. Exactly. She read him, too. She Quickly. Like, you know what? I have nothing against him, but you need to stop trying to act she, like more than you are. And she didn't let him get his... his she didn't let him get his shit off. Because you know he is, he is the type that wants to get his shit off and start talking all that mess. But she was like, uh-uh, I'm shutting this shit down right now right now no none, none of this shit get get yourself a real fucking lawyer this mm-hmm. nigga ain't shit <laughs> like and shout out to her she's now uh running shit on csi well she was running shit on csi uh new york and miami and all the other csis that were out there i knew i'd seen her before somewhere um but yeah like what do you think was going to happen, Saeed? Like you stood up like you were a lawyer standing behind your, your, your witness, your client or whatever, with your hands on his shoulders and shit. Like, dude, you're not a lawyer. You just slept at a Hot Inn Express last night. Like, stop it. Cut this out. But after that, he goes to McManus. <laughs> he goes to McManus and he tells McManus, I need to be able to get calls as well as place calls. Bruh. <laughs> you started the fucking riot, dog. Do you have any self-awareness of what the hell? Like, they let you get this much. You should take that and be happy. Does it? Oh, my God. McMahon's is like, do you want me to, why don't we just put a switchboard in your room? <laughs> And Saeed is like, yo, why won't you help me? And McManus lays it out. He's like, because you ain't done shit for me. Why the fuck should I help you? Bro, I was, I, I, I'm still, you know, if down the middle, if you have like left and right and you have down the middle and left mm-hmm. is like, I don't like Saeed on the right as I like him. And then down the middle is indifferent. I'm like slightly to the right still. But this episode, he started out good. I was like, okay, you're trying to help Augustus out. I know it's kind of selfish what you're trying to do, but it's going to help Augustus out on the back end, so I'll take it. But then I was like, I thought he was going to be like, yo, I know this Muslim lawyer. I'm going to bring him in, and, you know, we're going to help your case, and, you know, I'll just be here to kind of help translate some things for you that you may not understand about what's going on. No, this nigga thought that he could run the case. He thought that he could make all the decisions. And then you're going to bring in your ex? <laughs> like, that, that was that, No part of this was going to go well for you, sir. This is literally the equivalent of one of my kids telling their friend that they'll take care of something when you aren't even in that field. You have no idea what you're talking about. You just really believe highly of yourself. And every person you talk to says, you know, you, you probably shouldn't do that. You should probably fucking give this up. Even the assistant DA is like, yo, Augustus, you have a real fucking case if you just let him go. Let Saeed go and we can talk. 
I'm the assistant DA. He's an inmate. Give me a call, maybe? <laughs> nope. Nope. Saeed turns around after he goes to McManus and says, he literally told McManus, well, to paraphrase, McManus is fucking Dudley do good usually. And I think that you would have made, you would have accepted this stupid request because you, you, just to be helpful. That's what you do. It's not out of your wheelhouse. But then Augustus comes over to him and literally pours his heart out to him. And he's like, yo, I wasn't even thinking about freedom until you told me I could get freedom. And now I can't stop thinking about freedom. At that point in time, I would have been like, you know what? You need to talk to the assistant DA without me so you can get freedom. But not Saeed. Saeed is like, I put that on God, my nigga. Right. I put that on the block. I put that on God. You gonna get free. On everything I love. On everything I love, dog. I put that on my mama, fam. Stand on my back. I got you. Real talk. Put that on my seeds. <laughs> I put that on my unborn, yo. I got you, fam. Yeah, you didn't know I used to date white women. <laughs> right. No, it wasn't even that. He was they were engaged. They were like engaged that's to be married. They were engaged to be married. So this he nigga was Anton Jackson from Undercover Brother. Can I get extra mail? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So mm, O'Reilly is in after this scene, O'Reilly is in the, the in Dr. Nathan's office. Uh, Dr. Nathan isn't in there yet. She's standing outside. And so O'Reilly's taking this information to uh, look through other inmates' files. Because <laughs> he's a fucking snake. Exactly. You know use that shit. Oh, man. Uh, when Dr. Nathan comes in and tells him that he has stage two breast cancer, so his chances of survival are good. Uh, the next step for him is surgery, though. Um and at that point, him and O'Reilly, her and Ryan are talking, and Ryan reveals to Dr. Nathan, aka Gloria, that he has a wife named Shannon, uh, and that he doesn't want to die. And I really did enjoy this whole scene, uh, just not just because of um, the conversation with O'Reilly and uh, Dr. Nathan, but also because it just seems to really point a a light or shine a light rather into how prisoners are treated in medical emergencies we talked about this before in regards to alvarez's grandfather um and how they wouldn't make a ward for uh elderly people but this scene right here was infuriating to me um not because of uh, the lack of help that they like Dr. Nathan is literally looking to uh, get him as much help as possible. A fucking nobody in the medical field, literally a nobody is the reason why the shit got stopped. I have scheduled O'Reilly to have a mastectomy tomorrow at Benchley Memorial. We'll need transport and an officer. Or two. What? You think O'Reilly will try to escape? There's a fucking I've obviously seen Dr. Sophie Powell. She's the top breast cancer surgeon in this state. All this sounds expensive. Well, it ain't gonna come cheap. Will our insurance cover? No. 
and the claim digester insists O'Reilly have a lumpectomy. That's why they removed the tumor, but not the breast, right? Right. No. If we can spare the breast and save some money, why do a mastectomy? Well, lumpectomies aren't always effective. They most often have to be followed up with radiation or chemo. So then the prison is footing the bill for this whole wingding. Yeah. How much is that? Uh, the surgeon, staff, and equipment in all $18,000. Wow. And a lumpectomy costs what? About half that. We'll give him the lumpectomy. Why the fuck does Widow Z care? Why is she in that room? Why, why does she care? She, why is she in the fucking room in the first place? Right? You're a fucking CO. Like everybody else there, you got you got Sister Peter Marie, you got the warden, you got McManus, you got Father Ray, you got Dr. Nathan, and you got a fucking random ass CO. Yeah. Like, well, first of all, who the fuck's in charge of the COs? They should have been there. Like they should have been in that room, and if it would have came from whoever was in charge of the COs, like it still would have been fucked up, but it would have been more like okay, fine. Um, but like, why was she in that room? We know she ain't the head of the COs because nigga, you, know. you just literally got back. A patient should be able to choose his own medical procedure, don't you think? No, not at these prices. Not if he's a con. Look, Ryan O'Reilly's going through enough shit dealing with being a man and having breast cancer. I mean, his survival depends as much on the positive outlook as it does on the surgery. Agreed. We can do an awful lot with that 18 grand, Gloria. I don't mean to sound cold, but whether Ryan O'Reilly lives another two months or another 20 years means dick to me. Leo, ball's in your court. Give him the lumpectomy next time. Wait, so there's a point in here, and, and Brandon, I, I really do want your opinion on this. There's a point in here where... Whittlesey says we can do a lot with that 18,000. Who the yeah, fuck the is prison. we? She's talking about the prison. Yeah. Yeah, she's talking Nigga, about the an employee. Well, she's on the she's on the council or whatever, so she has a voice. Why is she on the council? That's well, my so, question. Well, I think they have to have a representative from the COs on the council, and I guess <laughs> he couldn't trust none of the other ones is to be on the council, so he brought Willisley in. Cause she seemed to be a decent person, even though he knows that she killed the, the dude. <laughs> at this they all point. know she killed somebody. <laughs> Is she the most trustworthy? That's, that means you got a real problem with your COs, dog. Yes, I've been saying that since the second episode of the show. Yes, yes, they have has. a serious problem with the COs. That's the biggest problem in there. And 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 Glenn's just like, fuck it, give him the cheap shit. Right, because, <laughs> but he said give her give him the cheap shit after she spoke on it. Yeah, they were just gonna they weren't they were just gonna let it be. They were just gonna be like, God damn, that's expensive, but fuck yeah, it. I mean, it's what we got to do. And then she was like, well, How much does this shit cost? But here's the thing, you know what this reminds me of, honestly. And I don't know, I don't want to get too deep into it. I guess because it just reminds me of it. I can't speak a million words on it, but it reminds me of all the poor Republicans who were like, Yo, we don't believe in healthcare for all. Like, nigga, healthcare for all would affect you just like it would have no even better. The fucking poor Republicans, like no money, po white mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. who are like, we don't want y'all to get a $15 minimum wage. Nigga, I experience this every day. Every day I go to work, I experience this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know exactly the person that you're talking about. The one, that this hated, is... the one that hated Obama, but then like something happens to someone in their family and they're getting all of this government assistance and they don't say, <laughs> and they don't say shit. Um, it's like, like that guy who was, uh, when they were no, trying to- No, because you're missing the key point. You're missing the key point in this. 
they deserve it. Those other people don't. That's mm. what it is. It's not that they're against. It's that they're against. They think that some of them true. Some of them are delusional, but some of them truly believe that, like, you know, I work hard on this farm in Kentucky, and I ain't making shit. And I'm driving this tractor every day, not making shit. So if the government helps me out, I'm fucking working hard. Whereas, you know, Jamarcus in Atlanta is living in the city, not trying to work. He don't want to go to work and the government giving him shit. That's not fair. That's how they think. And in this situation, it's a very similar thought because Wellesley's like, bro, this dude's a piece of shit. What do I care? If you, why does he get the best cover? I wouldn't get that shit. Like, if and he, she's basically like, if my guy fucking breast cancer, you think my insurance is covering this shit 100% out of their pocket? No. But that's the problem is when, you know, instead of saying, you know, maybe my insurance should cover this, and that's the problem, they go, no, the problem is not that, it's that this person's getting it who doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, how are you the arbit, the arbiter of who deserves it and who doesn't? Like, you're well, literally you know, two steps away. But for the grace of God, goes fucking Whittlesey because nigga, you See, were you literally murdered somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but his, but his, the thing is, she um, the the thing about it is that you know, nineteen ninety eight, you know, if, you know, that's what makes McManus come off as like the bleeding heart liberal in here because mm-hmm. McManus's view of the of the inmates is the anomaly in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> in nineteen ninety eight, the view of inmates are. You're a fucking criminal. You did something to be here. You gave up your fucking rights. <laughs> you don't deserve health care. You don't deserve conjugal visits. You don't deserve to smoke. You don't deserve none of that shit because you committed a crime. So fuck you. <laughs> and so even the COs think that. And even Willisley, who's not as bad as the other ones, not as bad as the other ones, she's even like, O'Reilly's a piece of shit. What, like, why are we spending $18,000 on this piece of shit? Yeah, I don't want him to... I don't think we should do nothing, but, like, if we have two choices, and one of them was 18000 and one of them was 8000 I can think of some other shit we can do with that $10,000. Like, give me a fucking raise. <laughs> and, and the thing is, O'Reilly ain't done shit to her. <laughs> no, nothing yet to her. Right? Like, if you really think about the whole scope of this show thus far... He ain't done shit to her at all, and yet he still ain't worth shit. Which and, is, and we know from like everything that's happened before, O'Reilly's a friend to the COs. Why is this? What is? Why is this happening? He's homies with the COs. It's just weird. That part too. It's definitely uh, what I would like to call unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made me sad. I think that's the best way. <laughs> like I was like, Whittlesey, like you, 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 you screwed the pooch on this one. Like this is all your fault. And then but when his wife understand is like in 1998, she's probably the, the majority. Like she's like, what we're saying is like the, <laughs> it's like the fringe view of this. In 1998, it's like, we spend so much money. Like he even like um, Augustus even says in one of his monologues talking about how much money they spend on the penal system. And so this is part of that budget. And so it's basically like, yo, we spend so much money on this shit. If we just like weren't racist and didn't do this shit, we wouldn't have to spend this money on people. That type of thing. And then the, the, the conversation afterwards where 
you know, like the the internet is kind of like you know, is is kind of like this newfangled thing. Like the, his wife was probably on uh, on AOL looking up some shit, and she was just like, "I looked this shit up. Y'all give him the cheapest shit y'all can find." Right. <laughs> it's like I went on AOL, and someone in instant messenger told me. <laughs> That's basically what just happened. And she was like, yo, if you don't get my husband out of there safely, I'm going to come back and fucking murder you. Long story short, she didn't say all that, but she said it with her eyes. Like, she got them crazed Boston eyes. Like, I will will stab you. He better be all right or I'm going to have to come see you. I'm going to get into the jail like the nigga from Prison Break just so I can find you. Um, But Shannon is also worried that if Ryan dies, who's going to look out for his brother Cyril? Um, and Cyril, who's intellectually disabled, is worried about Ryan getting an operation because their mom died in the hospital during an operation. Um, this is why I said that Ryan, O'Reilly's not quite on my list yet because I could see that there's something in him there, the way he was talking with his brother, mm-hmm. and that there's something there in him, but that he, I feel like he's in a situation in. He's in a situation in Oz where he feel like to, for, in order for him to survive, he has to be the weasel. And so he's playing the weasel role. And I'm not forgiving him for any of the shit he did because we talked about how terrible he's been. But this conversation showed that like there's something there in him. And so he could possibly be a better person, but I would not expect that in him to be a better person. Yeah, I wouldn't definitely. bet money on him being a better person, but there's something I'm, I'm there. Think- I think later later on you do kind of get a a glimpse into why he's the way that he is. And so uh, while O'Reilly is uh, on the table about to get his surgery started, uh, Doctor Nathan is there, and they they talk. Hey, are you ready? Sure. Let's fucking do this. Doctor Powell's scrubbing up. Been lying here thinking my life's in the hands of a complete stranger. Oh, she's the best. I feel better knowing you're around. My guardian angel. Right. Now, seriously, I can't figure out why the fuck you care, but I'm glad you do. Nobody's ever done shit for me in my whole life. So I'm not very good at saying thanks. I owe you. Big time. I'm I'm not always one to say message, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think the best way to say it is um, though that right there is something to keep in mind for the future, for future reference. That yes. whole scene right there. Yep. And, and, oh, here's another thing. When did she get married? Was she married the whole time she was fucking with McManus? Remember, they were separated. They, they, they spoke, they, McManus spoke to her early and saying that uh, her and her husband were separated. Yeah, because oh, when when, she, when he was like, uh, do you want to go on a date with me? And she was like, "You're, I'm married. And he was like, I looked at your files. You're separated, which we spoke on because that was some fuckboy shit. But um, that was like in the second episode yeah. that we find out that uh, look, she, she's look, This separated. thing is looking at staff files. Like, right? I mean, like, bro, this, this she's not even an inmate. What the fuck is this? So, next thing that happens is that uh, 
well, the story of Beecher continues, or the story of Schillinger, uh, I guess, more importantly, the story of Schillinger continues. Being transferred from M City to Unit B. I'll miss you. Hey, I didn't bribe a CO to kill Beecher. You did. The district attorney's office has decided to charge you with conspiracy to commit murder. The hearing is in two weeks. You'll be arranged for a public defender. Yeah, yeah, I'd really like to have some bleeding heart bleeding my case. I'll get my own fucking lawyer. Well, if I were you, I'd trade up from the last one. Jesus. Fucking cocksucker! You asked my advice. I gave you my advice. You call me a fucking cocksucker. I don't want your advice. I want you to make this conspiracy to commit murder charge disappear. I'm a lawyer, not the amazing Kreskin. Look, the state's case is firm. The guard you bribed is testifying against you and call me crazy. I think that a, a law officer has more credibility than you. How much time am I looking at? Ten more years. All right, so I'll plead out. I'm not even sure the DA would be willing to make a deal. What about Whittlesey? I saw her murder Ross. I've informed the authorities and demanded an investigation, but frankly, that horse won't hunt. What about my sons? Any word on them? Nope. But, you know, they'll turn up. Jeff, what in the fucking river? They're out there somewhere. They're doing crystal meth, for Christ's sakes. Will you please? Find my boys. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that we used to call it crystal meth. I, I mean, it's just meth now. But, like, I forgot about crystal meth. Oh, my God. You got it. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, sure, buddy. <laughs> I like that dude. He was the uh, he was the FBI director in uh, Blindspot. And you know what? I always get him mixed up with the dude who uh, was in Shameless. Um, but yeah, the one who's, uh, yes. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, they, 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 they really do look alike. Um, it was mad greasy too. Like, man, he seemed like mad, like shady, just super shady lawyer. Like you can't trust. He's like the white Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. (sighs) You're the one. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. (laughs) He almost, like if he would have did finger guns i would not yeah, have been, right i would not have i would not have felt anything about it you got it i'm um, gonna get you out <laughs> <laughs> i didn't ask you to get me out i asked you to look for my sons you're right <laughs> two times <laughs> so uh yeah this continues to happen oh yeah because you know even though schillinger is getting moved into gin pop uh he still works in the mailroom and there's still access to people such as Beecher. He really did finger gun him and thumbs up him too. I, I just realized that. But then next Schillinger sees Beecher in the mailroom and this happens. Hey, Sister Peter Marie needs this FedEx Saturday delivery. Hey, Vern. They let you out of the hole already? You're mad at me, aren't you? Sure, you're mad. And I understand why. Fucked up your chances for parole. 
You're facing 10 more years in Oz, all because of me. Oh, man. I manipulated you like the dumbass white trash Neanderthal you are. You know, you get to know a lot about a man when he's fucking you in the ass. Oh! Getting slow there, sweet pea. Getting a little soft. So then Schillinger gets sent to go to no, a cell. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. First all of right. all, Beecher is full-blown insane. When I watch this scene, you know what I see? I don't know if anybody listens to a wrestling fan, but if y'all know when Sting was in TNA in like 2012, he did this character called the Insane Icon, where he was like Joker Sting. And he was basically running around playing like the Joker, but he was Sting. And he was just like super energetic and screaming at the top of his lungs and making these funny ass faces. And he had like the butcher, the butcher block, like um chops like the chopstick uh beard. That's exactly what Beecher is right now. He's an mm-hmm. insane man just running around fucking with everybody, but he's not insane like he doesn't understand anything that's going on. He's insane, like he just doesn't give a fuck. And he's just being crazy as shit. And does- I'm just like, bruh. This man, you just fucked this man's parole up. He is coming after you. Yeah, he, <laughs> he definitely turns he definitely turns this dude into Rorschach. Like the, the dude goes like, yeah, you think that I should be worried because I'm in here with you. But you in here with me. And now now this shit is way more personal. Like after, after he fucked up his parole, leave him the fuck alone. Your whole goal was Every time you come up for parole, some shit is going to happen and you're going to end up staying here. In between those times, leave him the fuck alone. He just, I know, <laughs> he's just, he, the, Beecher just made the worst mistake. Yeah, he, it's obvious. He's fucking now, with the wrong person. Because he ain't got, now he ain't got nothing to lose. No, and it's like, your... it's like, at what point, at what point do you stop kicking? Okay, so okay, you're having a lot of fun because you're bullying the bully who bullied you. But he's and still a big fucking bully. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he's getting his crew back. And you don't want to fuck with that crew. And that's what I was gonna say. So Schillinger goes to um Gen Pop where he's immediately besieged upon by three black inmates. They want his ass. Like, didn't you used to be the lead of the ABs? Like, yes, I was. Cool. Ass whooping city. (laughs) Take me down to ass whooping city where you mess me up so my face don't look pretty. To the dome. Yeah. Um, He lucky he he lucky that shit was not in M City because you know good and damn well in M City they could have been wearing Tim's. Like true. (laughs) You know, they got those they got those little those little slides in there, but they they stomped this nigga out in slides. (laughs) That's how So, so the next thing that happens after he gets stomped out is he uh goes into the the lunchroom and he's talking with his right hand i guess like there's a bunch of new characters who show up in this season and i guess this character is his right hand i believe his name is ryan no his name is his name we'll we'll find out anyhow uh he's talking to him and this conversation happens (laughs) 
Brotherhood's falling apart. When I ran the Brotherhood, we were feared. Now, even the fucking fags look tougher. Now listen, you and me, Mark. Mark. We can take things back the way they were. We can rule Oz. Where do we start? We need a roadkill. Show everybody we're back in the game. So who gets whacked first? The meanest motherfucking mutt we can find. And who's the meanest motherfucking mutt they can find? A literally brand new inmate. Yep. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, they ran, they, they ran shut the fuck out of this dude. But they did, well, they did get him one of the coolest um, this is what the fuck this nigga did videos. Though. Yes, so uh, Alexander Vogel uh, was arrested on June 1st, 1998 for two counts of murder and theft. Uh, he was sentenced to 50 years, but he's up for parole in 30. We say all that to say he was sentenced to 50 years, up for parole in 30, hung by his feet in the gym with the, with the slur juke carved into his chest. Apparently, yeah. apparently that guy, I looked up his IMDB, that guy, he's in everything else, he's just kind of a stunt man. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they didn't even let him do a stunt for this one. I can hang upside down real well, you're hired. But this <laughs> lead, I, I couldn't help it, I laughed out loud. So you don't know anything about Alexander Vogel's murder. Well, if the Aryan Brotherhood's not involved, why was Jew carved on his chest? Maybe some gang is trying to lay the blame on us. We're not the only ones that hate Jews, you know. I mean, your people do too. Oh, is a shilling jack and you are. Yeah. Well, if that's true, prove it. Your people do too. Take him to a cell. That's the way. Hey. <laughs> this nigga walks away sinking Dixie. Like literally sinking motherfucking Dixie. He's getting, and that's why I'm saying Beecher should really be worried because Adam, or not Adam BC, Schillinger is a hurricane that is literally building strength right in front of him and he's not noticing any of this because from the point where the riot happened right before the riot happened Schillinger was a a shell of himself like he was literally hiding under his bed during the riot and he's been building strength for the past year and we talked about how Schillinger could have murdered Beecher way before the day of his parole no, but Beecher, Beecher should have. After Beecher shit on his face, he had his. That's your revenge. That's it, it don't get much. It don't get much better than that. And then you get the nigga out the prison. He let. Hey, I'll 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 testify on his behalf. He took me in. He was so nice to me. He you know he made me feel welcome when I got here to prison. Like he's reformed. He just wants to help his kids. Tell me what I need to do to help you leave this place. I've gotten my revenge on you. I embarrassed you. I sullied your name in this place. You are no longer in charge of the Aryan Brotherhood because you got shitted on by a man in front of everybody. Go. Go be with your sons. Get out of my space, and I'm cool. But nope, Beecher couldn't help himself. And, you know, you're absolutely right because it's always been my mindset that if I'm a 
a boss. If I, if at my office, I become a boss, the easiest way for you to get a promotion is to get on my goddamn nerves. Because if you get on my nerves, if you go interview at any other office in any other branch of state government, I'm going to say whatever great things I need to say about you to get you to fuck out of my face. Mm-hmm. I will lie my, oh yeah, oh, just the best, just the, just the, so wonderful, just the best. And then be like, motherfucker, get the fuck out of my office. You got a new job. You don't have to come in here for the next two weeks. I'm giving you two weeks off. But he's he just doing the wrong thing. I don't know where this line came from, but this is definitely one that fits. Um, where someone said, you keep campaigning for this ass whooping, you're going to get elected. <laughs> <laughs> And that's ex- that's exactly what Beecher is doing. He is campaigning for something really fucking bad to happen. And so after they kill this unknown, after they kill Vogel, the next thing is B- or Schillinger gets up with uh, his right-hand man. And he's like, yeah, so we killed him. But the next thing is we need to kill Beecher. But before we kill Beecher, we need to make sure that he suffers long and hard it's a rap for Beecher like like without even saying anything more like nigga you let him get to this point this is all be- this is this episode my two two of my favorite characters in this show in this episode were led on by their own hubris and they're gonna suffer for it or they did mm-hmm. suffer for it And, and then the last thing you see in this episode is Shirley Bellinger, uh, who was sentenced to death for the murder of her <laughs> daughter. Um, she'll receive lethal injection at Oz. And as far as I can tell, she's the only woman in the entire facility. Yes, because this was uh, so random. What the hell was this? They, uh, bec- well, they had the Oz is where they do the executions. Um, but but remember, there's a sister, um, the Parker Women's or whatever. Because remember, um, Alvarez's girl. Oh right, 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 right. She Parker got Women's. moved from there, probably over to Oz, uh, for the actual execution. Yes. Okay. And that's the end of the episode. So Brandon, what do you think is going to happen next? I think O'Reilly's going to get his surgery, and I think he's going to be okay because they that character's too good to get rid of this early. I think Schillinger is getting the um, the uh, the the Mayo group together, and they are going to plan something to take out Beecher. Um, or I I wonder if they're going to try to like frame Beecher for something, or to get him in trouble, or extend his, you know, make sure he gets convicted of something before they kill him, so he feels more hopeless or something. But Beecher's in trouble. Um, I think Augustus is going to be let down by Saeed. He ain't getting out. Um, and so Saeed's starting to, he's starting to dwindle down my list because he keeps doing fuck shit. And I want him to get back to being, you know, the, the best a Hotep can be. You know, he, he was the best a Hotep could be yeah. to start. And now he's starting to turn into, you know, Umar. Yeah, I'm, I, I miss Malcolm S. Mm-hmm. Malcolm <laughs> Saeed. <laughs> Malcolm S. I miss Malcolm S. <laughs> He's like, I'm a, I'm a win in the system. And I'm a like, 
Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna start, you know, you're gonna go to you're gonna go to um, are you gonna go to McManus's meetings now and represent the the Muslims? You're gonna start playing within the system? No, no I'm gonna pretend to be a lawyer, <laughs> right? Like, and and everybody, literally everybody he ran into called him on it except for Augustus, because Rebido was like, hey. Put down the Quran and picked up the law books, huh? <laughs> like, where the fuck is this coming from? We ain't never seen you in the gym before when you start benching. Oh, nigga, I already benched 400 pounds since when? Oh, no, my brother, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then went in there to talk to the assistant DA. Like, look, bro, okay, you get an audience. The assistant DA comes to the facility to see you. Why do you puff your chest up? Nigga, you're in jail. And you're you not going to impress her. And you know that you know her. And you know everything is going to set her off. Exactly. You know exactly what's going to happen. And you like, no, fuck that shit. I'm me. You know, very for, for certain, you know that if you simply have Marshawn Lynch run the ball, you'll get that touchdown. that will beat the Patriots. But no, you want to throw with Russell Wilson on the one yard line. That's essentially what just happened with Saeed. You know, you have her playbook. But you want to just try and, you know, I'm going to make her love me again with my wisdom and my logic. Like, fuck mm -hmm. you, bro. Doesn't and why are you trying to impress this white woman anyway? Well, you know, it was his ex-wife. His uh, ex-fiance. Ex fiance. Yeah, like. Augusta should tell them that he was a uh, that you know who would have told that he was <laughs> that he was hooked up with a white woman. Hussein would have told. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have went well with the brothers. They wouldn't have listened to him. But yeah, it, would, and with with his light bright ass, he would have been right there. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! You know who dates white women? Hey, hey! You gonna pass her the ball? You gonna pass her the ball? <laughs> <laughs> so you tried to pass her your balls oh god <laughs> oh man so um we are looking forward to uh the next episode uh which i is, see i seen the cover for the next episode it's about to go down next episode is losing your appeal oh um, man comes that soon for augustus oh yeah 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 we may as well not even play around with it they they were pretty on the nose with the name of this episode so yes um wherever you listen to the podcast at thank you so much we greatly appreciate it uh please leave a five-star review um, we didn't say our, we didn't say our scenes and our stars oh shit I, I just figured it was the breast cancer scene where she was arguing about why $18,000 wasn't it. No, I'm just kidding. What were, what's your scene of the uh, episode, Scar? Uh, Rebido reading Saeed again. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't know what it is, but those two just elevate each other to such a great level. Right. And I mean, Rebido, I could have said I could have said his ex, his ex reading him, but Rebido, it just it just feels better. Rebido was just like effortlessly reading this nigga. <laughs> like <laughs> Rebido's that nigga who just comes on the court and scores 60 and you've never seen him play. No, he's the one who comes to the gym and lifts 400. You've never seen him lift a day in his life. Every time he just knocks it out the park. He's um 
he's uh, what's the what's the white dude that played for the Lakers? Uh, Caruso. Yeah, he's Caruso. Like the the, the first time you see that nigga dunk, you're like, whoa, nigga, you can dunk. <laughs> <laughs> you get up like that. Damn, white boy, I didn't know you had hops. Yeah, and every time it's after you've forgotten because they yeah. gave these two enough time between their last conversation that it's like, oh yeah, huh? Read that nigga again, Brandon. What was your scene of the episode? Um, when they was talking to Schillinger about did they murder the Jewish person? Because he's so he's so sinister, and I love how sinister he is. He walked away. I'm in Dixie. Oh. Dixie, niggas like Dixie. I'm glad to have him back. I didn't. I wasn't too fond of uh, shy, you know, feeble Schillinger. I like. I need this dude back. Hiding under the table, Schillinger wasn't your uh, wasn't your mm-hmm. cup of tea. No. Oh shit. Oh that that scene. I laughed out loud. I couldn't help it. I could not. Whew. But no. I I really did. I I just. Maybe it's because of what I'm, I've been through, but the scene with uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, on the table, but not even him being on the table, as much as it was uh, his wife telling Dr. Nathan as they go into the surgery, like, I know that y'all didn't pay, that y'all took the cheapest way out for my husband. I used that free disc from AOL and I found out some shit. And you'd better, he better come back to me safely. Like that, that, I talk a lot about folks who get one line in a movie and how a lot of times they just, they fucking blow it because they're overthinking it. She knocked her one line out the park. You could feel the raw emotion that she was feeling about that situation. Like, yeah, my husband cheated on me and, um, yeah, we may not get along all the time and, and and yeah, all these things, but at the same time, you don't let him get hurt. Bring him back to me. I felt that strongly. But yeah, the line of the episode was, I mean, your people do too. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I so, loved it. So who won the episode in your opinion, uh, Brandon? Schillinger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, that storm is uh, coming, and Beecher does not have an umbrella. Yep, that is like you literally. This is the he's about to have to sleep in a bed that he made. Yep, there's no other way to put it. Um, what aged well in this episode? Honestly, I didn't have anything. Everything for me, almost the prison. Like, you know, the cost of inmates to fight over health care. I mean, well is relative, but it's still the same thing True. today. So that technically it aged well. Um, like, you know, going to, going into surgery and it being scary. Like, even, you know, health care has come a long way, but, you know, still still a scary thing. You know, playing your cars too strong. <laughs> You know, you get that revenge. Like, be happy with that revenge. Don't, don't, don't push it. He was, he's pushing it. That, that's, that never ends well. 
You just seem like the type of person who's going to keep on saying, hey, remember when I tripped you? Remember when you was walking down the hallway and I kicked your foot into the other and tripped you? Remember that? Remember that? Mm-hmm. That shit was funny. Remember? Okay. Just making sure you remember that when I tripped you. Oh, why are you coming after me? What'd I do? <laughs> like, help. Uh, but yeah, leave a review on iTunes. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Um, that is if the place where you're listening to podcasts doesn't allow you to leave reviews. If the place you're listening to allows you to leave a review, just leave a five-star review there. We appreciate that as well. You can email us at returntooswald at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at return to Oswald. Um, and yeah, Scarfinger could be hit up on Twitter at Scarfinger, and Brandon could be reached on Twitter at that cool black BLK nerd. Um, I'm Rashani. Thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate each and every one of y'all. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll check y'all later. Peace. Peace out. Can't wait for next week. Single simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.